When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. It's Selection Sunday. That's right. Can't wait, as uh, Bart Scott likes to say. Um, I, we talked about it yesterday. I'm still baffled. I'm still, I, I, I don't know if I should use the word shocked. Uh, that, you know, you've got Will and Ty who work at this radio station who don't participate in March Madness pools. Uh, Brian is also producing the show today. Brian, just out of curiosity, do you participate? Do you partake in uh, in NCAA March Madness pools? Do we have Brian there? Anyone? Bueller? Will? Yeah, Will didn't have me up. Uh, yeah, I, I do, but y- this year I don't. I need to. What is wrong with you people? I, no, no. I mean, seriously. I, like, I don't understand. How do you work in this business? How do you work in this business and not participate in a, in a March Madness? It's the second most exciting. Some people would say the most exciting who don't love football as much as I love football. But like, I don't, I don't like, I can't, my brain is like, how do you not participate in, in a March Madness pool? Anita, here's I don't the get thing. It. Like, here's like, the thing. Have, There's so I many have... games. There's so many but games he... on. Starting on Thursday, we're going to have over like 100 games on. And I just can't keep up with it all. Like, once we get down to the smaller groups, like the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, I'll want, like, I'll put some money on it and, like, I'll pay attention. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll enter some of the pools. But the round of 64, I, I, I'll, obviously, I'm going to watch the games. I, I just don't want to put pools in because I don't know how good Pepperdine is or or how good you know Bryant is, is going to well, be. Well that's why you have you have tonight after March Madness I don't know about you guys uh, Selection Sunday but I'm usually like tonight I'll be up until like 3 3 30 in the morning like doing my research you know uh you know uh, you know just get like just, just trying to be a sponge attaining all the information you know, and listen, we're, we we are privileged to work in this industry. You've got phone numbers. I've got phone numbers. I'm going to be texting people all over all the networks, getting their insight, their information to best make my decisions and how I think my pool is going to work out. And by the way, um, it's more lucrative, by the way, if you are uh, considering uh, gambling this March Madness season, uh, it is more lucrative to gamble on the round one. Um, you typically win more money in round one as, as the tournament continues, obviously it gets more and more difficult as you get down to the sweet 16, the elite eight and the final four and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, uh, I just, again, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm baffled. I'm baffled, but I'm really excited. It is selection Sunday tonight. Uh, we've got a lot that, uh, has taken place already yesterday and, uh, we, we will spend some time talking about the brackets, uh, also, we got Moke Hamilton, who's going to be joining us on the show in about an hour at 10 o'clock. I love Moke. He's uh, been a staple on my shows, especially throughout the NBA season. As soon as the football season is over, 
uh, because I, I just I love his analysis. I love his insight. And he breaks it down in, in just in such a great way. Uh, but you've got the Knicks and the Nets going at it this afternoon. You'll be able to listen to that game right here on 98.7 ESPN coming your way at 1 o'clock. I'm on a little extended 30 minutes here. I'm on with you until 1230 today. Pat O'Keefe comes your way with the Knicks pregame show. And then, of course, that game tip-off at 1 o'clock. And we'll see. You know, I talked about it yesterday. Uh, the Knicks, granted, you know, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to give anybody false hope here. I think we're all realist. At least I'd like to be. I don't like to be a negative Nelly, but... They're three and a half games back behind Atlanta in regard to getting in as that play-in, that last play-in team at 10. I just, I don't see it. I just don't see it happening. So, um, so, but I like what I've seen as of late, right? They went on the road. They went three and one on the road. Unfortunately, they lost to Memphis, but they, hey, they gave it that old, that good old college try, 118 to 114, you know, Julius Randle looked good, 36 points. RJ Burks, they all contributed, heck, Imrob had 16 rebounds. You gotta love that. Which, by the way, Ching Ching, that's been a moneymaker all season long. Mitchell Robinson over rebounds each and every game. But when you got Morant, who's putting up 37 points, and and let's 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 be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. This is a team without a rudder. This is a team playing without a, a true point guard. And the fact that they were able to go three and one on the road, I'm really and and we know little extra juice, a little extra spice. When the Knicks and the Nets go off, take on one another for that inner town, inner city rivalry that, um, you know, hopefully each and every season will get better and better. And meanwhile, for the Nets, you know, uh, coming off of uh, three straight home losses. Why? Well, Kyrie, still we have that Vax mandate. Kyrie, not active and attractive here in Brooklyn when they play at home. But, you know, they've won two straight on the road. And I am thoroughly impressed in regard to the game against the 76ers on Thursday night. Not sure about you. I stayed home. I watched every second of that game. And uh, just, uh, wow. And and that's without Ben Simmons, right? Without KD, 25 points, 14 rebounds. Kyrie got a little action. I did have the over in Kyrie points. He only had 22, I say only respectfully. But Seth Curry getting in the action went four of eight from downtown. That's and, and Drummond has just been really a beast in the paint. Seven rebounds, nothing to write home about, but uh, definitely caused d- some disruption in the paint defensively. So you you look at what that Nets team was able to do um, and without Ben Simmons. Now, when is Ben Simmons going to make his debut? He's still dealing with some back soreness. I don't want to call it an injury. It's not an injury. Dude's been out for quite a while. He's got to get revved up. He's got to get back into action. But uh, they held Harden. He was only 3 of 17 in that 76ers game. So I just, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the game later on this afternoon. Obviously, the Nets, I do believe no matter what the Nets do, uh, right now they're 8th in the East. And so uh, they're... Um, I do believe that they will have to play that play-in game in order to win, survive, and advance. And then can we all be blessed that if the 76ers end up as the two seed and the Nets end up as the seventh seed, that possibly that could be the first round of the playoffs? How amazing of a series would that be? So I'm excited for the game later on this afternoon. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us at 11 a.m. today. A lot going on in the NFL Uh, A lot of moving and shaking going on and still a lot to come. 
I don't think enough, especially here in our own backyard, is being discussed about this Mitchell Trubisky situation and the potential uh, of him coming here to New York and, and signing with the Giants. Uh, and and there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm, I'm speaking to a number of people. I'm texting with a lot of people in the league who are in the know. And they're hearing that that's a realistic possibility. And if that's the case, considering of where this Giants team is cap-strapped-wise, and prior to free agency starting, us hearing what John Maris said and their commitment, his commitment to Daniel Jones, this is Mitchell Trubisky is a dude who wants to start. You know, he doesn't want to come in and be somebody's backup. So does that mean Daniel Jones's injury is a lot more significant than what we know? I don't know. I'm not reporting anything. I just, I'm, I'm very perplexed by the situation. You know, desperate times calls for desperate measures. And if this Giants organization is trying to, not trying, we know uh, Joe Shane is robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's uh, trying to make money moves to free up some more cap space. But, you know, they're, they're, and, and on top of that, there, there are a lot of other needs on this roster. Glaring issue is the offensive line, let's be honest. And we're hoping that the Giants address that in the draft. Having the fifth and the seventh pick, they very well could do that. But I'm just, I'm hearing this Mitchell Trubisky potential signing is a, is, is a real thing. And if that's the case, I just, I wonder, you know, is, is Daniel Jones, is this neck back injury more significant than what we know? Also, there can be some other quarterbacks on the move. As of right now, I'm hearing that there's a chance that Cleveland could trade Baker Mayfield. You know, now with what happened with Deshaun Watson and, and the fact that he's not going to suffer any kind of criminal penalty, civil is still a possibility. The NFL is still, you know, doing their due diligence and in their investigation. He could be suspended a number of games. But this week is going to be bananas. Carolina apparently is all in. I think Philadelphia needs to have some, some honest, serious conversations in regard to what they want to do. I'm hearing the Seattle Seahawks are kicking the can. And apparently the Bucks are really in. And, and if Watson does have a no-trade clause, and apparently he loves Bruce Arians. And so I'm sure if, if it was his choice of where he wanted to go, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it, it is Tampa and he does go to the Bucks. So there's just a lot going on. So I'm really excited to talk to Mike Tannenbaum today. So... And, uh, and also, I do have a very special guest who's going to be joining us in the next 15 minutes, Nancy Lieberman, arguably one of the best, if the not best, female basketball player uh, to, uh, to grace this earth. Um, and I'm having her on because I, we, we do need to talk about Brittany Griner uh, for, for at least a segment um, because it's, it's, it's warranted. And I'm just going to bring you up to speed on that um, if you're not aware of, of, of what's happening. So... Uh, Brittany, and just so folks know, the WNBA has a pay salary scale. So if you're drafted one through five, you make X amount of money. If you're drafted six through 10, you make Y amount of money. If you're drafted 11 through 15, you make Z amount of money. Okay. Like there's no negotiating. There's no, no, this is, this is what it is. This is our pay scale where you get drafted dictates your salary. Okay, and the highest paid WNBA player is around two hundred and twenty at two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. 
So you compare that to what the men are making. And again, let me just preface by saying I'm not comparing, right? I'm not, I'm not comparing the women's game and the men's game. I'm not comparing, you know, obviously, uh, you know, TV money, broadcasting deals come into play. It's a really big part of it. Um, all that. I, I get all that. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sharing facts with you in regard to what the, what the pay scale is, right? Women in this country, let alone we make, what is it? We make 50 cents to a man's dollar in this country. So, so the pay scale is, is, is pretty obscene, um, in regard to women and men. So what happens? The WNBA women in the WNBA offseason go over to Europe and they play in European leagues. And one, Russia plays pays very handsomely. Uh, Russia pays anywhere between a million to $1.5 million for them to come there and play for the season. And not only that, I had a conversation with uh, Diana Taurasi one point. Um, they, they, they put you up in these beautiful castles. Uh, they provide transportation everywhere uh they every meal is paid for like you go there and like you make 1.5 million dollars but you don't have to spend a dime there for your living expenses and everything is very plush and and you name it it's a big it's 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 a pretty big deal so a lot of them go over to europe and um and participate in 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 their in their league over there so so obviously we know uh, Russia, Ukraine, Brittany, U.S. tells everybody, especially the WNBA women, hey, get out of there. Get out of Europe. It's not safe. So she's getting ready to leave, and allegedly um, the, the police at the airport found uh, like liquid, uh, liquid hemp in her bag. Um, and so she's, she's, she was arrested. And she's been over there now for about four weeks and she's isolated. Uh, U.S. Embassy is not there. The U.S. has asked to, to speak with her and that's not happening. And there's a lot of concern. Now, apparently, again, this is everything I'm reading. This is what's being reported. She does have a Russian attorney who's communicating with her family and her wife. Okay. Uh, but we don't know a lot. But here's the thing. The, there's there's not enough there's not enough being discussed about this like no matter what you, you no matter what you watch CNN you watch Fox whatever the point may be whatever whatever wherever you get your news very little is being discussed about Britney Griner and I don't understand why because if this was and let's just say Britney Griner is top three top five female player in the world so think about let's 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 rank who are our top three top five right like KD LeBron, Giannis, um, Harden, Seth Curry, Steph Curry. If if one of those five dudes was that this happened to them in Russia, do you not like it'd be like I truly believe that sports center, like all the sports, like we would lead with it. It would be the top story. I understand the delicate nature in regard to what's happening over there between Russia and Ukraine. I, like, I totally understand this is, this is not the most opportune time to get arrested. Uh, and because she went through the wrong line, I guess there's a green line and a red line. If you are traveling with any type of drug, you need to go through a certain line. She went through the, the wrong line. So 
uh, she's being accused of smuggling. So just, you know, <laughs> horrible timing. I get it. Bad move. I get it. But I just, I, I'm, I'm a little perplexed and I'm a little disappointed that more isn't being discussed about this. And, and you know, to, to say, well, why isn't our government doing more? I'm not going to say that because I don't know exactly what the government's doing because nobody's talking about it. But, uh, but Nancy knows Brittany extremely well, so I, I thought it'd be good to get her on and, and, and just try to get some understanding as to why not, it's, it's not even just our, our political uh, affiliates. It's, um, it's, uh, the NBA isn't talking about it. And the WNBA and the NBA are, are, are joint. So I, I just, I don't quite understand. And so I thought it'd be good to have Nancy on. So she's going to be joining us in about 15 minutes. 800-919-3776. We come back. The Mets made a trade last night. And I'll tell you what, I took a few calls yesterday in regard to Yankee fans calling in, you know, talking about what are they going to do with the shortstop position. And I said it. In order to win championships, you need an excellent pitching rotation. You need more than just one ace. Not only do the Mets have more than one ace in DeGrom and Scherzer, but they made a trade for possibly a top 25 starter in Major League Baseball to solidify the middle of their rotation. Brilliant. I'm going to share with you what that trade was, and also I looked up some, uh, some odds, some future odds on the Mets to win the World Series, to win the National League, their division, over, under, and win totals. We'll dive into that next. I'll open up the phone lines as well. Without further ado, let's bring in Moke Hamilton. Always great when he's on the show with us. Love it, Moke. How you doing? Good morning, good morning. Happy Sunday, Selection Sunday to you, my friend. Yeah, ha happy Sunday. Uh, Selection Sunday at that. Definitely a very, very exciting day in the world of sports. So, uh, yeah, you also got Knicks and Nets today. So uh, that should be exciting as well. I kind of heard you talking about that a little bit. I heard the clip played from Tibbs. So, uh, yeah, the should, should be a nice Sunday here in the city, full of sports. Before we start diving into the NBA, I'm just curious: Do you play March Madness pools? Do you do you participate? Do you partake in that? You know, I used to. Um, I oh vote every God. single year. Uh, <laughs> hey, Who hey, are you there's only there's only so long that you can just donate money to other people's March Madness pools and continue to feel good about it, okay? I, I've never won a March Madness pool. I've never been able to correctly pick a national champion. So eventually I'm like, you know what? I might as well just save this money for my Super Bowl box pool. You know what I mean? I just have a chance of winning that. <laughs> You're so funny. I just, I don't get you people. But it's all good. I still love you, Moke. Yeah, I still love you, boo. All right, uh, let's so, so, dive in. So you, got, hold on, so you got some pointers for me then? You're going you gonna to help me? Fill out I know. I, listen, I just, listen. Today? Okay, all right, R really quick, right? Like, listen, during football season, I have time for nothing. Like, I just started watching college basketball. Um, like, uh -huh. maybe maybe two weeks ago, I started handicapping college basketball for, okay. for, for Daily Wager. But uh -huh. re regardless, like, you know, this is March Madness. You know, I'm I'm so I'm doing NBA, like I'm doing NBA. We've got we got NFL free agency. We got the NFL draft. We're doing all like, but like, I'm not I'm not going to pass up with the opportunity of just how electric and how exciting the tournament is, especially playing in pools. Like I just I think it's one of the most fun times of the year on our sports calendar, and playing in pools really makes it great. And I'll spend this next week 
I'll dedicate copious amounts of hours preparing and putting my pool bracket together um, because I'm right. competitive so and I, I want to win. And I want to win. I don't want to hijack your whole segment either. But listen, when you and Frankie are out there walking on the wharf in your fancy big in Jersey. Okay, we're gonna call. We're gonna talk on the phone. You're gonna help me put my picks together. I'm gonna do a March Madness bracket just because the boss lady told me. There you go. Right. There you go. Better, better yet, this is what I'm gonna do. On on Wednesday night when it's finalized, I'm going to. I'll take a, a screenshot of it. I'll take a picture of it and I will send it to you. Okay. I like that. Thank okay. you. There we go. Let's talk some NBA. We've got the Knicks and the Nets in action. Tip off at 1 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN later on this afternoon. Let's start with the Knicks, right? Like, listen, they're three and a half games back to Atlanta to get in in that play-in game. They've looked good as of late, three and one on the road. It was really impressive, especially their win over Dallas. They took it to the limit with Memphis. What are you going to do? Morant put up 37 points. Reddish is out. I call them a team without a rudder. They don't have a legit point guard. But man, they're balling. Like I'm really, I'm, I, I, like I think they're gonna bring it today. I think I don't, you know, I think this is gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna come down to the wire, especially with the Nets not having Kyrie active and attractive. What has been your thoughts on this Knicks team the last four or five games? Yeah, you know, they they definitely have looked like a different team. Uh, what's what's really interesting about it is they're one of the few teams that uh, over the course of the season have actually looked better on the road than at home. You kind of wonder if sometimes maybe the pressure of playing at the Garden, you know, maybe the fans getting on them a little early. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, but you just wonder sometimes if maybe that has an impact on them. You know, I mean, the Knicks, they, they've won 15 games on the road this season, only 13 at the Garden. So that's definitely interesting you don't see that every day in the nba uh that that said i mean it's not really you know julius randall has really kind of led the charge himself personally you know and i mean i don't know what has has changed for him maybe you know for whatever reason he's playing looser he's playing better and overall the team just seems to be playing with more urgency uh you know something that something that we haven't really seen much this season and, you know, you kind of wonder if, if it's too little too late. You know, I mean, they trail, they trail the Hawks by five games in the loss column, right? So the Knicks end their play today at 28 and 39. The Hawks are 32 and 34. So you're, you're kind of just running out of time here to make up that much ground in so mm-hmm. few games. They, they only have 15 games left. It, it, it's an uphill battle for the Knicks. But until they've actually been eliminated, you can count on Tibbs to coach these guys and continue to try to prod and push them. And after, you know, a fairly decent beginning to this road trip, it's going to end today. I would expect that they will approach today's game against Brooklyn with some sense of urgency. Problem for the Knicks is I think the Nets will as well, right? So I think it should be a very, very interesting contest and an exciting one, hopefully, as well. Listen, I think we're both on the same page here, Moke, in regard to, you know, I don't expect them to get into the play-in game, right? But, but you know, I've, I have fielded so many calls as of late in regard to uh, Knicks fans calling in, Tibbs has to go, Tibbs have to go. If, if the Knicks play with this type of sense of urgency and, and effort with as many games that are still remaining, I, I, I think this is... I think this speaks volumes in regard to Tibbs and and what these players think about him and how hard they're playing not only for themselves 
obviously the tape doesn't lie. And more general managers will look at the tapes now knowing that, you know, a lot, a lot of general managers like to look at the effort and the gamemanship of players when they're not playing, when they're already they're out of the race to make it to the postseason. This is, this is the game film they like to look at. But I think this speaks volumes in regard to Tibbs as a coach. Agree or disagree? Uh, I mean, I think it says something about him. Uh, you definitely want a coach there that's going to coach all 48 minutes and all 82 games. And you definitely don't want one who's going to look at the standing and say, oh, you know, we're five games out. You know, what's, what's the point of this? Um, I think most of the fans that have frustrations with Tibbs, it's really more about his uh, – he's, he's very stubborn when, when it comes to his ways and the ways that he sees certain things. And I think that there are a lot of fans – that most of the frustration is that he, he's just reluctant to play some of the younger guys and to give them more minutes and to see what they're able to do. And that's not something – okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this to you. This. He's not the only coach that doesn't like playing young players, Right. He prefers to give his minutes to veterans. He wants guys to earn their keep, et cetera. And that's understood. Larry Brown was, was notorious for that as well. But you can't not play young players that look like they have promise and continue to lose games. You know what I mean? Like nobody would be complaining. I'm talking to the fans. No fans would be complaining if the Knicks were entering play today, 39 and 28, as opposed to 28 and 39. But you see, when you don't play – you know, Deuce McBride, when you don't when you don't play Cam Reddish, when you don't play, you know, Quentin Grimes earlier in the season before, you know, these guys got hurt, you can't not play them and still lose. And I think that's really where the frustration has come, you know. Um, so, so that said, yeah, you do want a coach that's going to coach through the finish line, but you also would have liked to have been a more competitive team because by all accounts, the Knicks, certainly have the talent to be better than the 12th season the Eastern Conference that, you know, thus far this season, they just really haven't gotten it done. Your hope at this point is they can put together a run similar to last season, and instead of capturing the 14th, you know, maybe they move up to 10, maybe they move up to 9, and at least give themselves an opportunity to get into the postseason. Again, Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Now for the Nets. Listen, I- Full transparency here. I lost money on Thursday night. I thought the 76ers were really going to bring it to them. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm so uber impressed. And, and you know, I, I know the, the narrative since the trade went down is who won the trade, right? Like, who's the better team now? And we, we have seen what Harden and Embiid and Maxi can do, right? Like, they have created a big three in Philadelphia with the 76ers. And they were just, you know, in, in, in the very small sample size, the six games, you know, top three offense in the NBA. Um, and I believe they were they were five and one at that point. Meanwhile, we really, we, we're sitting back, we really haven't seen what Ben Simmons can do because he hasn't played yet. But, right. man, Kyrie, KD, the addition of, you know, I don't think enough is being discussed in regard to the addition of Drummond and Seth Curry to the equation. Boy, were they impressive. And I just, like, my mind races in regard to just how good this team's going to be with the addition of Ben Simmons when he finally is healthy enough to be active. Yeah, I, I think I think Ben is going to just make the game so much easier and so much better for Kyrie. 
Um, of all people, you know, I think that Kyrie Irving is really going to benefit playing with Ben Simmons because I think it'll allow Kyrie to to be more of a of a hunter on the offensive end. You know, I think Ben Simmons is going to be grabbing rebounds. You know, I think Kyrie is going to be free to 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 release. Uh, you know, Ben is going to be finding him in transition. Um, the Nets are going to be playing much much faster once Ben Simmons gets back on the court. So, I mean, I, I thought – I actually wrote this uh, on basketballnews.com uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a week ago or so, that I think of all people, Kyrie Irving is the biggest beneficiary and the bi- biggest winner of this trade. Um, as far as, the, the you know, the Nets and the Sixers are concerned, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that these two teams end up meeting in the first round of the playoffs. You know, that, that I think would just yeah. be fantastic <laughs> for the league. But I will say, Anita – I you know I I don't think I don't think I bet on on the Sixers that night, <laughs> but uh, I I wonder if the Nets would beat them. I, I wonder if the Nets would sweep them. Like that's I, I you know I came away from the game, and I'm just like man, you know what? This was actually a nice reminder for NBA fans. Kyrie and 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 I was gonna say Kevin Love. Kyrie and Kevin Durant. These guys are killers, man. Like when you talk about going into hostile territory. And you talk about reaching in their bag of tricks and pulling out some some just virtuoso performances. These guys are battle-tested warriors. They are killers. And if I needed two guys to lead me into hostile territory and win a game for me, they would be near the top of the list for me. Uh, James Harden, not so much. Um, what he did against Brooklyn the other night, I think, I think he ended up 3 for 17 or something like that. It's... Uh, just a reminder of who he has been in far too many big games over the course of his career. So I definitely came away from that game still wanting to see these guys cross match in the first round, but I, I have very little confidence that Philadelphia would find a way to uh, crack, crack the code of Brooklyn. And especially without Ben Simmons, they were able to do that. Yeah. If I'm a Nets fan, I'm, I'm feeling really, really good about my team right now. So uh, yeah, big, big ups to Brooklyn. Mo, two more things before I let you go. Number one, the narrative that Harden um, can't deliver in crunch time situations or or big game situations. Three of three of seventeen on Thursday. Is is this is is this narrative becoming more and more a reality? Well, I think at this point it's, it's just impossible to ignore. Um, is it becoming more and more reality? Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I mean, we we came into this season sort of knowing what his track record was, but we thought that the allure of Brooklyn to James Harden in the first place was the fact that he doesn't need to be the one to necessarily go out there and score 38 points in a game seven when it's all on the line. He has two other guys next to him back to do that. Now in Philly, it's a little bit different of a situation because he's joining a guy in Joel Embiid who's had an MVP season thus far, right? He's joining a young budding star in Tyrese Maxey who people think has has the goods to be an impact player in this league so he kind of came into a situation where he was joining a team that that was you know killing it for all intents and purposes and now he joins and if anything bad happens with that team he's going to be the one to get the blame not only that when they go into the postseason there is going to be more of a magnifying glass on him because Philly's going to be counting on James Harden to be the primary playmaker, and they're going to need him to score an efficient 25 to 30 points every single night in the postseason. If he's not able to deliver at that point, 
it's gonna it's gonna be real ugly uh, on his legacy. Um, definitely a bigger spotlight on him now in Philly than it was in Brooklyn, especially because he asked out of Brooklyn. So, so yeah, James Harden, you got got some work to do, brother. Uh, last one for you. Let's talk about the Lakers. Um, you know, they're sitting at the ninth seed right now. Uh, looks like they are going to have to uh, have that play-in game to win in advance, hoping that they get AD back. You know, Westbrook, that that experience uh, experiment is, has been a disaster. But nonetheless, what are your thoughts in regard to the Lakers as we get closer to the postseason? A, do you feel that they will be in the play-in scenario? B, if they get AD back, how far of a run do you think they can make in the West? Well, yeah, I, I, for sure they're going to be in the play-in, and it's very scary for the Lakers because the way it's looking right now, if it began today, they would have to play the Pelicans in the first round. And I don't know that I want to have to play the Pelicans if I'm the Lakers. Uh, the addition of C.J. McCollum has, has definitely helped that team. They have some injury issues right now. Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum are both on the shelf for New Orleans, but for Brandon Ingram specifically, how good would it feel for him to beat the Lakers and keep them out of the postseason? Remember, if you go in there as the ninth seed, you only have to win one game, or I should say you only lose one game and you're eliminated from contention. So very scary scenario if I'm the Lakers. That said, Anthony Davis returning to the team, if he's anywhere near 100%, if you're the Lakers, you've got to kind of feel like you're you're one of the best teams out there, if not the best. So for the Lakers, I think it really just boils down to how the brackets play out. Um, you know, if they were to get in as the eighth seed, then they would draw Phoenix in the first round. There definitely would be a bit of a revenge factor there for the Lakers, considering Phoenix knocked them out in the first round last season. That said, I'm not sure that I'm favoring the Lakers in the seven-game series against Phoenix. So I'm definitely concerned about them, and unfortunately for LeBron, even with Anthony Davis, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lakers get knocked out in the first round again. And that's assuming they make it in, which in and of itself is no guarantee. So I am concerned for LeBron, and I am concerned for Laker Nation. Your favorite player in the world, LeBron James. Sorry, Anita. I'm, I'm concerned for those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I feel so bad for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Moke Hamilton <laughs> joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Moke, always great to hear your voice uh, and, and so appreciate your time every Sunday morning. Thank you, my friend. No problem. You take care. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. That's how you get on board. Before we take a break and we're going to come back and Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us. We're going to switch gears in the third hour and we're going to talk wall-to-wall -wall NFL talk. Free agency. Uh, excited to talk to, to Mike. This next week is going to be bananas. Um, in regard to free agency, where certain guys are going to go, is there going to be more moves um, pertaining to uh, the quarterback position. I believe that there will be. But before we do, there's also a golf tournament that's happening down in Florida, and it's been an interesting one. Mother Nature has not been very cooperative. Uh, so you've got <laughs> – this tournament started on Thursday, and the second round isn't even completed yet. Um, and so you've got guys that are completing the second round, and they teed off at 6 o'clock this morning in weather conditions. It was 20 degrees. 20 degrees. <laughs> um, this morning down in Jacksonville, Florida, where the Players' Championship is taking place. And a lot of us consider this, by the way, a lot of us consider the Players' Championship the fifth major of the season. 
And so you've got a lot of guys that are playing in very cold, cold weather conditions, and they're not doing well. Um, and just just to name a few, and just to give you, unfortunately, Brian Harmon. I've got Brian Harmon finishing the top 20. He's plus through plus two through 12. He's two under. He will make the cut, and I do believe that he'll make some money moves um, heading into um, heading into uh, the weekend. And I still believe that he will finish in the top 20. That was one of my favorite bets yesterday. Um, you've got Tony Finau and Webb Simpson. They're both two over right now. Some interesting scores here. Uh, Ryan Palmer is five under. I mean, the weather conditions there are just really, really brutally cold. Pat Patrick Cantley, one of the best uh, golfers, definitely top three this season, you can argue. Uh, he's plus two through eight, so he's plus two right now. He's tied for 70, 70th. We'll see if, uh, if if he can make the cut. He's he's hovering around that, that cut line. Um, some other big names out there. Corey Connors is three under. Leave it up to the Canadians to play in, in sub-30 degree weather and do well. Uh, he's got one bogey and three birdies on his front nine. And so he's uh, he's five under on the board, and he's tied for third. Good for him. Uh, Gary Woodland is uh, two over today. Um, again, very interesting. These guys are, are, are looking to complete their round two. Then we'll see who makes the cut, who doesn't, and then they'll try to get the majority of round three in today. Uh, chances are, I don't, I don't know. I think they're hoping that they can finish this tournament on Monday. Uh, who knows? Maybe it won't. It won't be finished until Tuesday. It's it's, it's really been a b bizarre uh, um, situation that's developed down there because of the weather. All right, quick break. We come back. Mike Tannenbaum will join us next, and we'll talk some NFL right here on ninety point seven. Without further ado, let's bring in Mike Tannenbaum. You see him all over our ESPN platforms, especially around this time. We're talking free agency. We're talking the draft. Mike, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Anita. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I, I mean, it's an, it's an exciting time, right? Selection Sunday today. This next week, I'll be you know reading copious amounts of information, trying to get my bracket and my pools won. On top of free agency, on top of Major League Baseball hot stove, on top of on top of on top of, it's it's really an exciting time, which normally it is not. But uh, just the way that our sports calendar is uh, is winding up, it's uh, it's a fun time. It is, and uh, it's the time of year where all four sports in college basketball are playing, and uh, or at least football is, you know, occupying free agency, the draft, and so much to get to with uh, obviously all the quarterback movement. Absolutely. So let's dive into it, and let's start with our own team here with the Giants. Uh, I know it's not the biggest news, and, and we'll get into to all the quarterback moves that have taken place. I want to get your thoughts on those, but listen, I, I'm hearing more and more about Trubisky coming here to New York. And uh, so, so first things first, I'm, I'm curious what you're hearing. Number two, and for me, curious if it is for you, if that's the case, we heard John Mara address the media when they hired, when they brought in the tandem of, of Dable and, and, and Shane and said, listen, we need to do right by Daniel Jones. We need to, we, you know, we've been screwing this kid up for years. We need to do right by him. If that's the case, this is a team that's so cap-strapped. We know Trubisky wants to start. I just don't understand this narrative. Uh, to me, there's smoke, there's fire, which means I'm curious if maybe Daniel Jones and that neck-back injury is a little bit more serious than what we know. That's kind of where I'm at. How are you surmising this Trubisky to the Giants situation, Mike? 
Well, you know, I think context is everything. I think if Mitch Trubisky came out now, he'd be the first quarterback off the board. And I'm not sure if that's more about Mitch Trubisky or the concerns about Pickett and Willis and all the quarterbacks in the draft. So, um, look, if you could have reasonable depth at the quarterback position, um, you know, to me, context is everything. You know, Mitch Trubisky at 10 or $12 million a year is a lot more interesting than Mitch Trubisky at $20 million a year. So, um, you know, let's see how it plays out in the coming days. But one thing that we've learned is need in every position, most notably quarterback. And, you know, the Giants, you know, last year, if we go back, um, were fairly competitive. And when Daniel Jones got hurt, um, it was the season was over. And that's why if I was the 49ers, I would be very slow to trade Jimmy G. And, again, if you could add Trubisky at a reasonable rate, I would consider it just given Daniel Jones' background, um, if he's really expensive, you know, I'm probably going to put resources into other positions. But but is it wise to bring in a guy who wants to start and put him in a, in, in a quarterback room with a quarterback who you've said, the, the ownership has said, you know, w- we need to stop screwing this kid over. We want to put him in the best situation possible. You know, is that is that something, is that something that you do? Well, Again, I want quarterbacks that have, like, extreme mental and physical toughness. You know, like, being around guys like Brett Favre when we traded for him at the Jets, like, he didn't care who we brought in. Like, if Daniel Jones is worried about competition, then you got the wrong guy at quarterback. You want a battlefield commander, as Coach Parcells would say. So, if he's worried about competition with Mitch Trubisky, there's probably more fundamental issues with Daniel Jones. And, again, if you could have depth at that position, I'm all for it. So, Daniel Jones is going to have every opportunity to play and play well, and I hope he does for the Giants' sake. Um, but he has to take more consistent care of the ball. He has to be more durable. And if he does those things, it really doesn't matter who they bring in. Um, he really should be worrying about himself and his own game. Mike Tannenbaum joining us here on this Sunday morning here on 98.7 ESPN. Deshaun Watson, no criminal charges, yet to decide civil, yet to decide uh, suspension from the NFL once they're done with their investigation. But everything we're hearing is that uh, teams are ramping up to make ridiculous offers for him. Carolina being one of them, of course, he has a no-trade clause. What is the latest? What are you hearing about the teams that are in the mix and the teams that Watson would be willing to uh, remove his no-trade clause for? Yeah, it's still a very complicated situation, and we got to be very mindful you know, that there could be you know, a number of alleged victims you know, just because um, criminal charges um, were not decided to be prosecuted. That doesn't mean things haven't happened. I just think we have to, to note that, that um, this is still a very, you know, significant situation and one in which that, um, you know, still remains to be played out. And from a football standpoint, look, he's a great player, not a good player. He's a great player. He is a game changer. And, you know, the other interesting thing is if we go back to Ben Roethlisberger, Anita, um, he was suspended for six games and there was never even um, any criminal charges even ever filed against him. So, um, I think his situation in terms of the league and his eligibility is far from resolved. And I think um, if I was a team, not knowing exactly what that entailed or how much it entailed, Anita, that that would concern me because if you're giving up multiple premium picks, which let's assume that's the case, um, I would want to know exactly, you know, is he missing one game? Is he missing eight games? So I think there's a lot more information we still need to get. With that being said, the reports that Carolina is putting together a ridiculous offer for him. Um, you know, do you believe that there will be teams out there that 
and, and you know, you, you make excellent points and why teams should have some reservation in, in regard to moving forward. But do you feel that teams are going to put that on the shelf and just eye on the prize and the, and the prize is making sure regardless if he's got a six game, nine game suspension, uh, trying to get Deshaun Watson on their roster? Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be the case. And I think because, again, if we were running a team, Anita, we would be looking at um, quarterback options. And I think, again, that's why Mitch Trubisky and Jameis Winston in particular are going to do exceptionally well in the coming days. There's just not enough quarterbacks. So I think some team, be it Carolina, Seattle, Tampa, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, somebody will be say, you know what, this is not ideal, but we don't live in an ideal world. And he gives us the best chance to win. And if he's not eligible for – X amount of games, let's move forward anyway. So um, I think all that chatter out there, there's probably something to it. And, again, it, it goes back to, you know, the supply and demand of the position. Uh, hearing more and more that uh, there's a possibility that the Vikings trade Kirk Cousins and the Cleveland Browns trade Baker Mayfield. Are, are you hearing the same? And, and what are your expectations with those two franchises? Um, I think, you know, I, I put together a list for ESPN. Like, I had 14 teams that had questions at quarterback. Uh, including Cleveland and Minnesota. And when I say questions, Anita, I don't think they need a quarterback today or tomorrow, but I don't think you can win championships with either of those quarterbacks. So to me, that makes a ton of sense. And I think the next few days will be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Um, in regard to uh, the draft, I know you're, you're really big at the draft. You were at the Combine. Uh, t- talk about the quarterbacks that are available there, right? Like Willis with Liberty has uh, definitely moved ahead of Pickett. Um, you, do you agree with that? Do you think both those quarterbacks are going to win the first round? What teams do you think would be interested in them? Are they ready to start this coming season? Are they going to need some work? What are your thoughts on the quarterbacks coming out, Mike? Yeah, I think a lot changed, Anita, with that Russell Wilson trade. If we were on this uh, program last week, I, I don't think there was any chance that Kenny Pickett from Pitt or Malik Willis from Liberty would go in the top ten, but you know, depending on what happens with, you know, Deshaun Watson or somebody else, I think Seattle at nine is where the first quarterback is likely to go. And I think it would either be Pickett or Willis. I don't think any of the quarterbacks yeah, I don't think any of these other quarterbacks in either are worthy of a first round pick. So uh, again, it goes back to supply and demand. You know, when you look at guys like Sam Howell from North Carolina, um, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Carson Strong from Nevada, I just don't see a guy that's worthy of a first-round pick. So, you know, that's what – and all the teams are looking at the same list you and I are. So because of that, I think what we're going to see is a run on Trubisky, Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, Brian Fitzpatrick. Uh, again, Cousins and, and Baker are two guys to keep an eye on uh, with Minnesota and Cleveland. And then, again, if we were running a team, I think we would look at the list of those quarterbacks and say, hey, maybe we draft one, but we're drafting a guy in the second or third round as someone that maybe could come in and help us, you know, a year or two down the road. Last one for you, number one pick overall. Uh, odds are bouncing around in regard to, you know, it was Neal for a while, and then the Jags tagged Cam Robinson, so now it's Hutchinson. But I'm hearing Hutchinson has very small arms for somebody – an edge rusher to be taken number one overall. I'm hearing that there's some big concerns with a lot of scouts out there in regard to Hutchinson. Who do you anticipate to go number one overall to the Jags, or do you expect them to trade it? What, what do you, you think is going to happen with that number one pick, Mike? 
I think they would like to trade it if they could. I just don't know if someone's going to come up uh, because offensive tackles with Evan Neal, Equan Equanu uh, from Ekam Equanu from NC State, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. There's a lot of tackles and pass rushers. It's historically good. Uh, Ajabo Hutchinson's teammate from Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau, amongst many others. So I don't think a team is going to come up. I think when it's all said and done, and I don't think he's perfect. I agree with what you're saying, Anita. But I think when it's all said and done, Hutchinson will be the first pick. Mike, great stuff as always. Uh, appreciate you, especially on this Sunday. Are you heading out? Are you heading out to the golf course? I am heading up to uh, your neck of the woods, and I'll be up in uh, New York for the week, and you know, first week of free agency, and here, here we go. Fantastic. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? All right, it's time for Click or Don't Click. We're finding out what's trending at 10.36 a.m. on this Sunday morning. Uh, Fun way, we tour around our wide, wide world of sport and find out what's trending based on the headlines out there. And we've got Brian and Will who are producing the show. So, gentlemen, lead the way. What do you got? All right, so I have to kick things off. Mm-hmm. Miguel Andahar of the Yankees was robbed and assaulted in the Dominican Republic, leaving to go to spring training. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm clicking that. <laughs> so this is obviously a crazy story because obviously the lockout just ended. And leaving the Dominican Republic, he was robbed and assaulted. And I find it interesting because they stole a gold chain um, worth to be around $7,000, and he was assaulted by two gunmen, and he was struck by a bullet to the finger of Andujar. Uh, well, okay, a few things. Don't you guys feel that we hear a, a lot, like, you know, this is... This is I'm sorry, let me take that back because that could be misleading. It says in okay. the article right here, um, it says, according to uh, ESPN Deportes, Miguel Andujar was with three other relatives on his property, and one of his relatives was struck by a bullet to the finger but Andujar was not shot, but he was assaulted by the two gunmen and robbed of a gold chain estimated to be worth $7,000. Wow. Don't you, don't you feel, though, um, don't you feel like we hear these stories a lot uh, coming out of the Dominican Republic? Um, you know, and, and I've been there. I mean, it was years ago. It was a crazy story. I Actually, I was hired by, remember Extra Extra, the entertainment show? Extra Extra. Oh, yeah, I do. So um, at that point in time, I was in Miami. I was hosting Sports Talk Radio. I was freelancing, doing a bunch of stuff. And Extra hired me to, to go down to the Dominican Republic because they had gotten wind that Michael Jackson had married Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, wow. So they sent me down there uh, with a photographer to chase them down. And so I spent like a good week down there in the Dominican trying to chase down Michael Jackson. Um, so I, I've been there and, um, you know, it's... I, I just you know if, if if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a major league baseball player and I'm down there like I'm I'm traveling with like uber amounts of security guards. When I mean based on this isn't the first time we've heard this. We know how dangerous it is. We know that they're targets because of the amount of money that they make. Um, you know these are third world countries and you know just economically in in a really really dire situation. I just and and I get it. You know this is home for them. I just like I I would I would be if I'm down there like I'd be traveling with a ridiculous um, security staff. Would you not? Yeah, and and 
this is something that has happened before in the past. Um, if you could go back two years, David Ortiz was uh, was supposedly yeah. a target in the Dominican Republic. And well, you, did you see the video when that happened? I did. Yes. Oh my god. That was god. um that was wild. But he when he was eating outside like some outside cafe, if yeah. I recall, right? Yeah. And they and like came up behind him. The the good news out of this whole thing, and this was supposedly, I want to say early to the middle part of last week. Today, he just showed up for spring training, told Aaron Boone he's ready to go. So um, he has a bit of, of obviously, um, toughness in him that he's, he's ready to go, you know, less than a week after the incident. So good for him, and I uh, hope he's feeling well. So, um, Really, really uh, unbelievable story. What else do you guys have? Uh, I got one. Panthers plan. Oh, it just froze on me. All right, oh, Panthers, no. <laughs> Panthers pan aggressive Watson offer. The Carolina Panthers aggressive Watson offer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know me. <laughs> I am definitely, I am definitely click, clicking that. Yep. It says the Carolina Panthers will make an aggressive offer for Deshaun Watson as soon as the Houston quarterback waves his no trade clause for them to negotiate with the Texans. A league source tells ESPN. Mm. You know, it's 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 interesting. Um, Matt Rule uh, makes the final decision, which n- isn't n- normally the case, right? Like normally, uh, the general manager has the final say in in what the team does, whether it's you know draft selections, whether it's you know w- whatever free agency. Obviously, that's something that Matt Rule was able to negotiate in his contract when he did sign on to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and you know he's an offensive person. Offensive genius, some people like to call him. Offense, you know, obvi- you know, his forte is, is on the offensive side of the ball. I would imagine that, you know, like what has he been working with? With all due respect, you know, Cam Newton is past his prime. You know, Cam Newton, I think, a solid backup quarterback in the NFL, no longer a great starter in the NFL. And Sam Darnold turned out to be Sam Darnold. And so I, I there was talk and speculation in regard to uh Matt Rule possibly, you know, being on the hot seat, losing his job. Boy, if ever there was a time you wanted to hitch your wagon to to a quarterback to try to help save your job and save your career, rectify it, because now you've been struggling because you haven't had a really good quarterback to work with, man, Deshaun Watson's it. Now, what is it going to take to land him? It's going to take a lot, especially after the deal that the Seattle Seahawks put together to go get Russell Wilson. And if you want to argue and say that Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, which I do believe he is, by the way, um, it's it's going to take at least a minimum three first round draft picks. Whether they're you know if it's if it's the Eagles, they've got they've they've got three this season. Um, I and I don't know. Again, he has a no trade clause. So does does where does Deshaun Watson want to play? Everything that I'm hearing is that if if it's his first choice, it's going down to Tampa and it's playing for the Bucks and Bruce Arians. So uh you know, it's 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 going to see it's really going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. A what what package a team is going to put together for him because there you're really you're mortgaging your future, right? But you do have a large sample size. You know what you're getting with Deshaun Watson. Um, so I'm curious, so I'm curious what, what offers are going to be presented to the Texans. And also I'm curious, who's he going to waive his no trade clause for and and where will he end up? Like, 
it, it's it's gonna this is gonna be an interesting week that's for sure and 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 I think obviously I think more will be revealed this week and um, it's the land here's here's another thing that's fascinating to me because we've already seen a lot of changes in regard to the quarterback position right guys like we know Russell Wilson's now in Denver Carson Wentz is now in in Washington um, we know Rogers is staying in Green Bay but when you look around the league there's talk that Baker Mayfield might be traded. Kirk Cousins might be traded. Uh, Trubisky might come here to New York and be with the Giant. Like, there's there's all this going on. We very well can see at least anywhere between a minimum of 10, if not 15 teams, out of 32, have a new quarterback at the helm for them. And I'm not sure if you guys agree with me, but I truly believe that quarterback is the most important position in all of professional sports. Oh, definitely. And we're talking about a changing of the guard in a minimum of 10, if not 15, that's like, that's amazing to me. Like, can we just marinate in that for a minute? Like, it's just, I just, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's wild. I think it's wild that there's so much activity and I think it's wild in regard to just the position and, and the importance of the position. So you guys have one more? Yeah, this is something that is um, quite also like, you know, comical. This uh, this says New York City Mayor e- Eric Adams embarrassingly mm. confuses Red Sox hat with the Brooklyn Dodger hat. No. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm clicking this. Okay. Tell so me. it says Talk New York City Mayor Eric Adams is passionately loyal to New York, um, even if he might need a refresher when it comes to the city's baseball history. Um, apparently, there was a reporter uh, for the city and state of New York, um, and he was we- he was wearing what the mayor believed to be a Red Sox hat. And he said, uh, and I quote, before I could get a word in, he says, this is New York, we don't wear Boston hats. But it was a Brooklyn Dodgers hat. Now, now, in his defense, they look semi-similar. However, the Dodgers have been out in L.A. for, it seems like, forever. And the Red Sox hat is very different from the <laughs> Brooklyn Dodgers hat because it's red, hence the name Red Sox, right? So, and to be fair, the Brooklyn Cyclones have a similar B on their hat just with a B, with a blue tint in it so <laughs> so are you are you are you making excuses are I'm, you, I'm not are, making, are you making excuses, excuses for the I mayor? mean I think if anybody walked out of their house and went to the supermarket and saw somebody wearing a Brooklyn Dodgers hat if you have any knowledge of sports you couldn't know that that is not a Red Sox hat I don't know I I really don't know <laughs> I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. However, you could clearly tell a difference between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. If if you if uh, you can clearly tell the difference if you were an avid fan, right? If you weren't an avid fan, would you really tell? Could you really tell the difference? I don't know. Like Brian, on what a, do you think? On, so I don't think a, he's an me, avid me, baseball me, fan. <laughs> that's what we're getting that, to I mean, that's like on a scale on a scale of one to ten. Ten being your most avid baseball fan. Mm-hmm. At, at at what point on the scale do you feel the 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 swing and miss, no pun intended, in regard to the logo on the hat is acceptable? Well, Anita, I uh, I have both pictures up side by side. The the Brooklyn Dodger hat, the entire hat is blue. It it, it is blue to begin with, and it has a white B. The Red Sox hat, totally different. It's navy blue with a red B. Hence the name Red Sox. Right, right. 
So, so you're saying you're you're saying not even not not just the logo, but like the colors. Yeah, yeah, should have given it away. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I heard. Maybe he thought they were the Boston Blue Sox. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. The- Without further ado, Andy Martino joins us now. You can see him all over SNY and part of the uh, exclusive Mets Hot Stove show that returns this Tuesday and Wednesday live from Port St. Lucie at 6.30. Tune in for the complete Mets spring training coverage only on SNY. Andy, thank you so much for spending some time with us on this. Uh, it is now su- it is now Sunday afternoon. Uh, you're down there in Tampa right now. Uh, what, what's the feeling? I- I'm sure relief and excitement that both the owners and uh, in the union got a deal done, right? Hi, Anita. Yeah, I, I would say those are the, the right words. Everybody's happy to be here. Uh, I, it, and maybe a little bit surprised that we all got here so fast. Uh, at, at Yankees, at this moment, you know, I'm on the field, and they're at uh, George Steinbrenner Field, and they're just wrapping up, taking some optional BP, and have pitchers long tossing in the outfield. Aaron Boone gave a news conference, so it's, baseball life back to normal and I, it's pretty wild that it was only what 72 hours ago I guess that this is very uncertain so it's, if you love baseball it's, it's a nice day yeah I'm sure I'm sure and an exciting time especially you know you're, you're not up here in New York I, I want to say it was like 20 degrees this morning so kudos to you Andy um <laughs> well I'll tell you what it, we, we brought it with us it was 40 uh, when we uh, got to the field this morning. It's warming up, though. It's not 20, but it's, it was 40 here, so don't, don't envy me too much. Oh, please. I would, I would, change, <laughs> I would change spots with you in a heartbeat. Uh, let, let's, let's talk Big about we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing the Mets making some money moves, and, and we're going to get into that in just a second, but since we're talking about the Yankees, I know there's, there's some expectations. I know Freddie Friedman could possibly impl- be in play, Carlos Correa. Uh, what what can you tell us about what the Yankees are trying to do to better this roster? Yeah, they definitely are committed to improving the offense. And in terms of what that means specifically, we know all the names. You mentioned two of the big ones that have been bandied around. Uh, but they're in an unprecedented uh, free agency situation, obviously. It's this mad dash, all kinds of free agents, mid-level, superstars, trying to figure out where they're going to play uh, as it sorts itself out. So. Brian Cashman, just like Billy Epler, is obviously his counterpart with the Mets, have to remain very agile in order to say, like, hey, what's what's the value play here? Does a Trevor Story want to take a short-term deal and go back on the market? Uh, what's How is it looking for a Correa? Um, no, it's just figuring out day in and day out, like, where things are at. And it's very fluid. Like, I called it, uh, um, an agent about a player that I heard the Mets were on uh, two days ago. And the guy was like, uh, I don't know yet. Call me back in the afternoon. In the afternoon, he's like, no, the Mets aren't signing that guy. So it's just like constantly changing and evolving um, on the free agent market. But the Yankees definitely are going to add a bat. That I can say. Oh, because they, they don't have enough, right? Andy, and, and, and this is what's not. very uh, okay. I, and this is this is what's confusing to me, right? Like we look around the league, we see what wins championships, and and that's and that's starting pitching, and, and it's having more than just mm-hmm. one ace. Possibly, if you can have two, uh, in in on on your rotation, but yet I feel like each and every year we're talking about the Mets adding bats. Um, you know, yeah. based on based on based on what we saw last season, and what what do you feel needs to be improved here? 
And and do you see any help in regard to either it's the starting rotation or let's be honest, the bullpen failed as well last year. Regarding the Yankees? Yes. Yeah. Uh I I would I, I think that they they're always looking for pitching depth. I think they feel pretty good on their pitching side about some of the high ceiling uh, younger guys that they have, whether it's a Luis Heal or Severino coming back or Tyone when he's back. I mean, there's a lot of risk there, but there's also a lot of upside. Uh, on the offensive side, uh, you know, and on the bullpen side too, I should say, they, they with the Clay Holmes and some tweaks that they did in season, they, they're in pretty good shape. But still, they're not going to have Zach Britton this year. Chapman was up and down last year. So I agree there's some questions in the bullpen. Um, last year, though, I think what really brought them down was their offense. I think what, specifically what really brought them down was D.J. LeMahieu and Glaber Torres not performing up to expectations. If they had, it would have been a different offense. So they need to do everything they can to get those guys right. Um, and by the way, for what it's worth, I saw Torres come in today, and he's significantly lighter and leaner than he was has been for the past couple of years. Uh, so I guess that's a good sign. Um, and they just need to bring someone in. They need a better offense out of either first base or shortstop or center field, if not two of the three. And that's what they're kind of working on. What are your realistic expectations, Andy? I, I feel like each and every year, right? Like uh, Yankee fans, and, and I'll use the word spoiled because I, I think they are as, mm-hmm. as a fan base goes, right? Like it's, it's, it's World Series or bust. Um, do, do you feel that the makeup this, of this team realistically, uh, w- how do you feel their chances are this season um, assuming that they go out and they bring in another bat. Like, let's just assume that that happens. Uh, what, what are your, right. your realistic expectations for them this season, Andy? I think it's going to be a tough climb. You know, I think the World Series or bust mentality is a really a shame. It's a vestige from the Steinbrenner and Jeter rhetoric, of course. But it's just not realistic in the game for any team. Look at the Dodgers. They're the model franchise over the past almost decade, and they won once, and it was in the shortened season. You just don't win the World Series very often in, in the modern game. Um, and it, it's too bad that the Yankees have set their expectations there because it's not realistic. Uh, specifically, and either your question about this year, I think the Blue Jays are really good uh, in the division. And by the way, the Blue Jays have a distinct advantage right now that's very real where teams like the Yankees and Red Sox are going to be missing unvaccinated players every Blue Jays home game because of a rural Canadian border. Um, the Rays are obviously always the Rays. The Astros are still going to be good. You know, put simply, uh, the Yankees are among the top tier of the American League, but right now they're not better than they were last year, and they weren't good enough last year. By the way, just just to share some odds out there, Dodgers uh, favored to uh, win the World Series at seven to one. Yankees nine to one. Astros nine to one as well. Mets ten to one. Toronto Blue Jays eleven to one. Division winners. Uh, Yankees are favored at plus one eighty five, and the uh, Blue Jays are plus one ninety. Are you saying that uh, it would be worth my while to throw a little coin on on the Blue Jays at plus one ninety? <laughs> well, I. I... I wouldn't be one to say anything about that one way or the other, but I will tell you that I like the Blue Jays. And I like uh, the ad of Yusei Kikuchi. They got more pitching. They have more pitching than people think. And we all know what kind of young offense that they have. Uh, again, Andy Martino joining us here at 98.70 SPN. You can see him all over SNY. Let's turn our attention to what's going on with the Mets making money moves. That Cohen, I tell you, Chris Bassett, uh, becomes a part of this rotation. Now you got DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett. Your thoughts on this move? 
Yeah, great move. Billy Epler was looking for one more starting pitcher. Uh, you know, they wanted Kevin Gosman. He decided to go to Toronto. This is before the lockout, of course. Uh, they wanted Steven Matz. Before the lockout, he obviously went to St. Louis. So he landed one, and a good one, an all-star. Uh, slots in nicely at number three behind those two guys. And he's been healthy. So that gives you some certainty because DeGrom, Scherzer, and Carrasco are three guys with health questions. So you just needed all the high-end starting pitching depth you could get if you're the Mets. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what this Mets team can do this season. With that being said, what are your – We just I asked you what your expectations are for the Yankees. What are your expectations for the Mets? How far do you think they can go this season? I think that their own internal expectations are really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be a World Series championship contender this year. And, I, I look, I think they've improved their offense. They made a few nice moves. I think Sterling Marte is like a huge upgrade for them. Uh, offensively in the outfield that happened so long ago, it's easy to forget. Uh, I think everything with them, Anita, just depends on you're a World Series caliber team if DeGrom and Scherzer are DeGrom and Scherzer. And then if you have Carrasco and Taiwan Walker behind them, not to mention Bassett now, that's a heck of a rotation. Mm-hmm. But the over-under on how many starts those guys are going to collectively make this year is, will be very hard to set. Uh, so to, it just it really all depends on that. They are championship caliber on paper, absolutely. But DeGrom hasn't thrown a pitch in a long time in a big league game. And Scherzer had a dead arm last year. And Carrasco hardly pitched last year. And when he pitched, he didn't pitch particularly well. And Walker had a bad second half. So I just I think there's a huge variance on how that rotation looks. And that's going to be the key. Is there a team out there that you feel is flying low on the radar that you like what they've done uh, in this uh, in this offseason? Again, you know, short, of course, prior to the lockout, and then it's only been a few days since everything was rectified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there a team out there that you feel is flying low on the radar that you think is going to make some noise this season? That's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know if the Rangers are under the radar because they signed Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, but no one's thought about the Rangers in a long time, and they're legit mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and uh, so that would be the first one that comes to mind. You know what? Before the whole thing with Derek Jeter leaving the Marlins and them not necessarily spending more, they made some pretty good moves. So I think the Marlins are going to be uh, competitive this year in a way that could mess with the divisional contenders a little bit. Last but not least, uh, I, I know that you were all over uh, this, uh, the, the, the collective bargaining agreement, and from what I understand, uh, Will was telling me you were like camping out, uh, getting as much information yeah. as possible. Based on the agreement, what do you think are going to be the biggest changes that are going to affect the game that maybe you know baseball fans are going to watch and 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 mm-hmm. you know see something different or you know ha- have a different viewing experience or you know give me, give me like the top two or three things you think have changed that are going to affect the game this season. That's a great question. I think some of the things we haven't really processed yet is that the one-game wild card is, is over. I'll miss it. I love that dramatic uh, game that, you know, win or go home, and now it's a series, three-game series. So that's a big one. Obviously, that's not until October, but that sticks out for me. Um, other, another thing that happened that's going to create big changes in the game that I think will be for the better is the creation of a committee now between of players and on the MLB side where they can recommend on-field changes. So I believe that through this process, there will be a pitch clock coming to baseball by 
not this season, but next. Space is larger, possibly some rules about pickoff pick throws that will make it easier to steal a base. So I think we're going into an era now where there's going to be more real changes to try to help with pace of play. And finally, I will say this has nothing to do with the sport, but it's going to be jarring to your eye. Uh, MLB and the players agreed to put pa- uh, ad patches mm-hmm. on the uniforms and add decals on the helmets. And like, like the Yankee pinstripes or the Dodger blue or the Cardinals that you're used to seeing, it's going to be all covered in ads now. So personally, I'm a little bummed about that. I get it's a business, but that'll be like, oh, wow, that looks different. Um, was it, what is it? Uh, Bob's furniture? Is, is that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that, it's weird, right? Is that what we're, is that what we're going to see? Anyway, Andy, great Something stuff. Like Something like that. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Uh, Andy, thank you so much. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, Hopefully the weather warms up for you down there in Tampa and, uh, and appreciate you. Thank you.